Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. It would seem that on some days it is Pastor Arthur Pawlowski versus the world. Bylaw, law enforcement, the justice system, the media party, all have targeted Arthur, but recently the pastor was physically assaulted at a store by a random wild Karen. Adam Seuss has all the disturbing details. Oh joy, Quebec has finally lifted its laughable COVID curfew. But why was there a curfew in place in the first place? Is the Wuhan virus actually able to tell the time? Our Montreal correspondent, Yankee Pollock, has been covering the curfew circus in La Belle Provence since day one, and he has plenty to say. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day, and you had plenty to say about Hockey Hypocrisy Night in Canada, namely, last Saturday, the Montreal Canadiens were able to host a playoff game, welcoming 2,500 fans into the Bell Centre, assuming one was able to afford those exorbitantly priced tickets, that is. Yet the question arises, why are multimillionaire NHL players allowed to play hockey, but hundreds of thousands of kids across Canada remain shut out from doing so? Yet more weird science vis-a-vis the COVID-19 file. Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. Adam Sos here for Rebel News, and I'm with Pastor Arthur Pawlowski once again. We were going to try and leave you alone for a day or two, <laughs> but uh, obviously things continue to happen. Um, you've been the subject of quite a bit of malice. There was an attempted fire. I'm sure some, some less than nice messages have been sent to you. But everything sort of escalated on Saturday. You were out with your daughter uh, after a baptism, I think, getting a cake, and someone, someone confronted you. Is that right? Yeah, I took my daughter, Maya. So she's 12. I took her f- to buy her uh, a birthday cake. And we walked inside and, of course, minding our own business. And this gentleman, well, he's not a gentleman, he started to attack us. I mean, right in the store for not me for not wearing a mask. You know, I have my exemption and I cannot wear a mask and I will not wear a mask. 
And we left, we minded our own business, we paid for our groceries and, and Maya's cake, and we walked outside, and he just came charging, F this, F that, like, I mean, unbelievable outburst of hate. And you know, at that moment, I realized this is on all on politicians and the mainstream media, because what they're creating, they're creating hate, they're creating malice, they're creating this situation when people are actually snapping, they're breaking. They can't take this anymore, like one and a half year almost, and the people are really, really snapping. So he comes to me so close, and boom, he punches me in the head for nothing. I mean, can you imagine? Maybe he recognized me from the TV, from newspapers, maybe he heard Jason Kenny our wonderful premier saying, I'll crush Pawlowski's. Maybe he wanted to help our wonderful minister of justice, Madhu, I'll crush Pawlowski's and here I'm going to help you out. I mean, this is what our society is becoming. You know, what happened with the nice Canadians? All around the world, people always thought Canadians are nice. They're tolerant. What happened with the tolerance now? What happened with being nice? What happened with being human? We're losing our humanity. You know, we're losing humanity because of the politicians and because of the mainstream media. So my glasses flew off the air. My daughter doesn't know what's going, you know, what's happening right now. I placed my uh, groceries on the ground and I went to take a picture of the guy. I mean, no, I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to let him get away with this. This has to be reported. They cannot just keep, you know, smashing people's heads like this. And uh, when I went to take a picture, boom, he charges again. I mean, over and over and over again. And he is just really trying to punch me. And he was an older guy. And I thought to myself, if I'm going to react, you know, I can really hurt this man, especially with my skills. Just, I don't want to do this. What happened to, to those people? Mm -hmm. Well, the Pastor Arthur Pawlowski saga continues. Last month, he was brutally arrested on an active highway, no less. And then he was tossed in the slammer. His crime? Well, simply improving the lives of those who are a wee bit down on their luck. And now a random wild male Karen recently violently assaulted him. And this comes on the heels of some thugs who tried to burn down his property. And really, what is the deal with that? Well, joining me now for the latest chapter regarding the Pastor Pawlowski saga is the man who's been following this from the beginning, and that would be Adam Seuss. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Adam. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Great. Adam, I couldn't help but notice that headline in your report. It was for a Calgary Herald story about the pastor, and the headline read as thus, quote, Neighbors of street church terrorized by anti-mask preacher and followers, end quote. Terrorized? Uh, wait a second, Adam. Just who is terrorizing whom here? Yeah, and it's, it's just getting ridiculous at this point. Like, when media outlets do show up, they might interview uh, one person who's attending the event. Then of the four people who are protesting against it, They'll talk to three of them. Uh, there was no real coverage of the fact that a couple of weeks ago, a few hundred people gathered outside the church 
uh, sung prayers together, had worship, had these had this wonderful time outside, and then left the area without incident. The only article covering it, the only reporting on the event, was this article citing terrorism, or that they were terrorizing the neighborhood. It's unbelievable and untrue. There's no mention of the neighbors. And I spoke with the neighbors. You know, they're all human beings. Everyone's in this. There's conflicts. I get it. But they're the ones shouting, hail Satan. They're the ones swearing at the top of their lungs when children are playing in the playground daycare facilities right there. And to say that that the peaceful worshipers, sure, maybe the music was a little loud and a nuisance at most, but to call them, to say they're terrorizing the neighborhood, it's ridiculous. Well, how shameful, but again, not surprising when it comes to the mainstream media. But you know, uh, Adam, th this was very disturbing uh, when the pastor, he's just going about his own business, shopping, and this actual physical altercation happens. Do we know exactly how this erupted or was this simply somebody that recognized him, doesn't agree with his stance or his politics and thinks he's somehow entitled to shut him down with fisticuffs? Yeah, and I think it's the latter. Um, how this started ultimately, I think that, I think that when push comes to shove, it's gonna show that irresponsible reporting um, government policies and a lot of malice hate directed towards Pastor Arthur Pawlowski has gotten people riled up. And because of these lockdown restrictions, people are already at a breaking point. So yes. you have these incredibly tense people, maybe people dealing with mental illness. And then you have Jason Kenney or other media parties saying, well, it's because of people like this. And they show Arthur Pawlowski that you aren't free, that things aren't back to normal. So uh, get rid of this guy, get rid of anyone who agrees with him and make sure you get your vaccines. Then you can have your normal life back. It's military militarizing the population at large. Um, what's most concerning about those, though, to be honest, though, is I, it, let's say Archer was out with his brother or with a couple of guys and there was an altercation, fisticuffs, whatever. Um, he's from Poland. He grew up rough. He's seen that stuff before. This, though, he was with his 12-year-old daughter shopping for a birthday cake and a baptismal celebration mm. cake. So he was not out there causing trouble. He wasn't yelling at anybody. He's got a medical exemption, so he wasn't wearing a mask. But he's buying a cake with his daughter, and someone starts shouting at him. Yeah, you know, and, and more than shouting, actually yeah. getting handsy with him. And, you know, this. Be, you know, I'm always shocked, and certainly uh, myself, other rebel, rebel reporters, we've encountered this in the field where we've been physically attacked. And I'm always shocked at the entitlement. And I think, you know, we see on the left, there's that phrase that uh, they cling to to uh, justify physicality, which is punch a Nazi. But mm -hmm. what I'm getting at, uh, Adam, is that, well, unless you're hell-bent on world conquest and you're carrying out a genocide, the idea that somebody with a contrary opinion to you is a Nazi, it actually completely demeans what happened 80 years ago in world history. They have taken it to, if somebody has a differing opinion, well, not only can you yell at them, not only can you use profanity, you can actually get physical. Whatever happened to the loving, tolerant left, Adam? <laughs> Yeah, and there, there is a certain hypocrisy. There, there, there's like this strategic front. They talk to the media. It's all this, love that, love this. Um, and then the second they have the opportunity to get someone alone, they'll shout at them, tear at them. I think the big problem, though, and it's it, the, the, the irony being they're saying that you're Nazis and then they're violently enforcing their own policies. <laughs> That's more Nazi-like, in my opinion. But when you talk to these people one-on-one, -on -one, 
within about five minutes, they start to become disarmed, and then you start to have a real conversation. There's a human being in there. We can't forget that. The problem is, is when they get together, whether it be in their online forums or in person, they get together, and then one person says something, and the next person steps it up a notch, and they radicalize each other. Yeah. So people who might otherwise disagree with you, but kind of be respectful or maybe at the very most swear at you, they get together in, in a group and suddenly there's this mentality of we need to act and violence is justifiable, which is just wrong. Oh, 100%. I mean, and, and, and they're, they seem blind to the perverse irony of it all, Adam. I mean, I look at Antifa, that's a contraction for anti-fascism, and yet they employ all the tactics of fascism. It's not Antifa, it's simply just fa, fa classic, yeah. right? But yeah. one other thing I wanted to get to, we, we saw a screen capture of the individual that was uh, uh, assaulting uh, Arthur, and I couldn't help but notice that he had his mask on below his nose. So yeah. really, he's preaching about um, uh, COVID-19 safety protocols. Uh, if he went into one of the shops uh, that were in that mall, he'd get yelled at for not wearing his mask properly. What do you make of that, Adam? Well, I mean, it, like you look at Grace Life Church, there's people counter-protesting Grace Life, and they had a sign, and it said something to the effect of, what would Jesus do? And it said, gather with a cohort, cohort of 12. Well, that violates the Alberta Health Restrictions Guidelines at those times. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know. Same thing, when you were in the LCBO, they wouldn't give you your liquor bottle. There's a clear <laughs> sign on the door that says... That the, part of the, the whole conflict there was you didn't put a mask on at the start, yeah. and then they're in a room that says no more than two people. They've That's got four people. As you joked, it was a super spreader event. <laughs> it, there's just no, there's no consistency. It's all just say one thing, do another. And the worst example of all, as these pastors are being arrested, um, conversely, people are being let into hockey games, whatever. But Jason Kenny's up on the Sky Palace, sitting with his uh, friends, drinking and eating while yeah. telling us we can't do that. And then they have the audacity to say, well, no, this is part of phase one, you're allowed to do this. No, you're not. They say you're supposed to target no more than two families. They had like five, six different households sitting at one table. It's just ridiculous. They can't keep their story straight. Yeah, you know, I never thought of that, Adam. Uh, I, I guess uh, Premier Kenny is delighted the Oilers were ousted in the first round by the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that way, he doesn't have to do a hard decision to let some people come into the building, whatever that number is, it's so arbitrary. Um, one last question, Adam, as we head into the weekend, uh, what is the very latest in terms of uh, Arthur Pulaski and his ongoing battles of which there are many? Yes. So uh, last week, because of the restrictions being slackened to some extent, um, they, they, on May 27th, uh, Dina Hinshaw actually sort of threw an amendment on to our lockdown restrictions. And it was basically to allow p political protest. This was May 27th, this took place, I believe. And it basically said, you can gather in unlimited numbers as long as you have masks on and you aren't feeding people. So what most people took that to mean is like a pro-Palestinian or a political protest. Mm. Um, how those look is okay, but the kitchens where they're feeding homeless people who are still hungry, those aren't going to be allowed. But so last weekend, Pastor Archer, he stayed distance from people because he really doesn't want to jeopardize his court thing. But um, with these new measures, he was actually able to baptize his daughter and, and be around his family and be out for baptism. Um, there will be worship on Saturday again, as always, at Pastor Art's church. Similarly with Pastor Tim Stevens, they are going ahead with worship. Um, Pastor Arthur has been staying away from worship. Now, we don't know for this Saturday for sure, or at least I can't share um, exactly what may go down. But with the slackened restrictions, there is always that possibility that we might get an appearance from one of our famous pastors at worship on Saturday. Again, can't confirm anything.
Unbelievable. Well, I know I, I'm just so disturbed by what you said just a, a moment ago that uh, you can have a pro-Hamas rally where anti-Semitic rhetoric is tossed around like confetti at a uh, victory parade, but don't you dare feed homeless, hungry people. That is across the line. Welcome to clown world, uh, Adam. I just wonder when we're ever going to get back to normal. But in the meantime, thank you for all your hard work in covering uh, the pastor's plight, uh, because we certainly know the mainstream media is no friend of his, right? Right. Okay, you have a good weekend, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. And that was Adam Seuss in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Hi, everyone. Tonight is the last night of curfew. One thing is sure, it's over by Friday night. For now, at least. I might come back, who knows, uh, but it's been a long five months of a lot of police harassment, police giving tickets to people, police running after people for being, for the crime of being out on the street after a certain hour, sometimes it was 9.30, sometimes it was 8, and I went back and forth and forth and back, but that, that's, that was uh, Montreal and all of Quebec. But now it's over. Streets are still empty. Well, there were people out earlier. It's around 11.30 while I'm filming this. Uh, there were people out today. I got to speak to a few people. Most people are still like shy. They're like, well, technically there's still a curfew. I don't want to be on record being out. And some people were willing to come on camera. But let's do a little recap of the city of Montreal. I've been covering it for approximately the last five months. Tonight is the last night of the curfew. How do you feel about the curfew and tonight being the last night? Oh, it brings, it's very cold tonight in Montreal, so it brings back the memories from January when it, this whole thing started. I counted it and I was, it's 140 nights, so it's just unbelievable that we've been so long locked up and we're finally getting out of jail. As you can see, we are in the back of Chesky. Uh, and uh, Delhi 365, one of the famous Jewish uh, stores here in the quarter. Basically, where we're standing here right now where was the action for the last for the for the last uh, five months. So basically, we you, we would have had here cops stopping, ticketing people, basically um, just making uh, miserable the lives of uh, every normal individual for no good damn reason, due to the reason of curfew. How do you feel with a curfew ending? Well, to be honest, I was out every night either way. It's just that at this point, it's just that I can drive and I see a cop and I can... I have the peace of mind to drive around in my communist country, so... Communist, it's the same, it's state communist, but the curfew, thank God that it's... that I'm over it. I passed it. I don't know anything. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a man. I'm just a guy you know, trying to make his world. And it wasn't easy, to be honest, I worked two jobs, I had to pay rent, like I don't have CRB, I don't have all these funny, fancy things. And the curfew was actually entirely a detriment to my life. So, um, Mr. Legault, thank you. You made hell for my life since January. I'm happy the curfew over. But to be honest, I anticipate it's gonna happen again in three weeks. 
Well, let's all pray that this fellow is wrong, but would it surprise anyone if the curfew does get reinstated? After all, during COVID, one thing has become abundantly clear. Canada's premiers have proven that nobody is better when it comes to the fine art of flip-flopping. And joining me now from Montreal is the man who was watching the watchers from day one of the curfew, and that would be none other than Yankee Pollock. How are you doing there, Yankee? I'm doing pretty great. Excellent. Well, okay, so Yankee, the curfew was rescinded exactly a week ago, and good riddance to it, but Yankee, why was there a curfew put in place in Quebec in the first place? I mean, can the Wuhan virus actually tell the time? I'm convinced they can. And sometimes <laughs> it says it's uh, 8 p.m. and sometimes it's 9.30 and it keeps on changing back and forth. I'm pretty convinced that it could, in fact, see the time. And when you change the time zones, uh, sorry, the daylight savings time, it knew that as well. I think it's a very smart virus. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the curfew in part is back starting tonight in downtown Montreal, uh, the old port. Uh, there will be a curfew from, uh, I believe it's midnight to 6 a.m. There's a curfew at the old port of Montreal. Now, what is the ostensible policy reason for that, uh, Yanke? I know uh, uh, sometimes in the old port area of Montreal, you have young people celebrating. Uh, the last time it was for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, uh, no surprise there, uh, defeating the, the Leafs. Um, but is, in, in a sense, I can't blame uh, young people for wanting to get out in beautiful weather, burn off some steam, because they can't go to clubs, they can't go to restaurants unless it's a patio. So, but what's the problem that the authorities have with this? Well, me and Mocha were out last weekend when it happened, uh, when, when all the young people were out there celebrating, having fun. There were a lot of fireworks that went off. There was a stabbing and a shooting as well. And I guess the Montreal police or the city of Montreal, I'm not sure exactly who is implementing it, had enough and just are implementing a curfew um, starting tonight at midnight. And there's no end date for it, but it will be every day till 6 a.m. So there's still a curfew going on, um, wow. you know, young people having fun. It's from the, it's probably the only places in Montreal where there's a big, um, not the only, but it's one of the places where there's a lot of space for people to be out and have fun and, you know, have your social distancing and that being shut down instead of, you know, handling the crime, they're just shutting everything down, putting a blanket on everything. But you know, Yankee, going back to when the major curfew was in place in Montreal, and I came out a couple of times to meet you on the streets with the rest of our team, what I found disturbing was, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, members of the Jewish community uh, being specifically targeted by the Montreal Police Service. I was there to see one family get two tickets. Uh, one was for violating the curfew, but like really, where's the danger? It's a family unit of, uh, I think it was three or four people. And secondly, another ticket, I believe, for not having their identification papers. And I thought the optics of this, people with guns going up to uh, Jews and saying, your papers, please. I mean, I thought, what is this, Montreal in 2021 or Munich in 1933? 
Yeah, I was there with you when that happened. In the end, he only received the one ticket, although he was threatened, I believe, with two, but he only got the one. And yeah, it's just, you know, going up to people and, and I have video of them going into people's houses because they needed, because someone was walking in the street and didn't have their ID, so they ran after him to his house and, well, walked after him and then walked into his house to get his um, ID and papers. Uh, Sheila had a story where they brought one guy home from the synagogue in cuffs in front of his children. You know, it's ridiculous and outrageous what they have done, you know, running after people for the crime of being out after a certain hour. Like, it's ridiculous. I thought it's a free country, but, you know, turns yeah. out it isn't. And, and, and there's no way, scientifically or medically speaking, that is a super spreader event by any means. But, Yankee, with the Montreal Police Service, and I have seen a police service like... I, like they blow any bad police force I've encountered right out of the water uh, with the way they behave. Would it is it fair to say there might even be an undercurrent of anti-Semitism with this police force in terms of not only how they were targeting the Jewish community, but you yourself, you were accused at one point of being with Jew media, whatever that means. What's your take on that, Yankee? Now, I don't like labeling people anti-Semitic. I do know that some cops at least are, and some cops made very strange and weird Jew remarks. I have heard them, well, call me media Jewif. Uh, they asked if Efron and Mocha and Lincoln are Jews at one point, and they also, I've heard them um, telling people, oh, don't, you know, at one point I, I filmed them saying, oh, don't run over the Jews. Like, it, it was very weird how some officers are, you know, making weird Jew remarks. Now, I'm not saying that's all the officers. It, I don't think all of them are. I think it's a very few. But they're just there and they continue working, and especially in the Jewish area, and it's like, you know, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. They don't like the people they're working with. You know, I'm I'm pro-police. I'm pro-community policing. What I've seen during COVID, and especially during the, the curfew, community policing thrown out the window. Kids used to respect the police. Now it's kids just don't care what the police have to say. And what what are we doing? Like, this will take years and years to fix the years of building a community policing and now it's all thrown out the window because what Francois Legault said it's too dangerous to walk after a certain hour yeah no it, it really was damaging and I think it was a self-inflicted wound by the Montreal Police Service but you're kind of making my point Yankee if, if there was police officers and not all of them of course let's be fair but if they were asking Mocha and Efren uh, and Lincoln and so on uh, are you a Jew what the hell is the relevance to that? Who who cares if that person with the camera or the microphone is Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, you name it. I mean, I don't understand where that thought process is coming from. But I guess more importantly, um, you're tied into the Jewish community there and the, the same community the police were having these patrols. What is the reaction to people in that community? How, how do they feel about how they have been treated these last few months with these um, 
uh, I don't know, curfew quota expeditions the Montreal police were going on? I could tell you from the from speaking to people, they are not happy. People that like police, respect the police, are now like, what's going on? You know, we work with you, we, we respect you. There is no, there is almost no crime in that neighborhood. There is no issues with the police in that neighborhood. Police officers have no issue walking down the street over there. There is, they, they're not threatened in that area. But you know, they came in full force, showing like who is boss showing that they control the city, the biggest mob. And I think it will have long-term effects on the community. As I said, the kids in the community do not respect the police anymore. Growing up, I was taught to respect the police and I do respect police. At some point, a police officer asked me why I don't bag the blue. And my answer was, I do black, uh, I do bag the blue. I just don't bag the Montreal police. The Montreal police is not part of the blue in my view. And, that's how it is. You know, if you're going to target people, harass people for no reason, I will not back you. I back policing, good policing. I will not back garbage policing. I, I'm totally with you there, Yankee. I mean, I think this was a lose-lose situation. Uh, on one hand, it was as though Montreal had no serious crime uh, going on at nighttime in other areas of the city, be it gun crime, human trafficking, burglary, you name it. And secondly, the sheer amount of the resources being put into this, both in terms of manpower and financially, to write up tickets to families that th there was no health issue, there was no virus spreading issue here. Your last thoughts on moving forward, if we ever run into yet another wave where things have to get shut down, if you had the ear of the Montreal police chief, what would you tell him, Yankee? Don't follow the tyrannical orders. Just don't. Mm. Indeed. It's that simple. That's right. I think you're right. Don't break your oath. And uh, uh, hopefully that will be the case going forward. But like I said, that Montreal Police Service is like none I've ever seen. I think there's a really rotten culture there. I'm not saying there aren't good officers. I'm not painting them all with the same brush. But, um, wow, it is. It, their actions are really something to behold. And Yankee, I want to thank you on behalf of everybody here and our viewers. You are doing incredible work going out night after night documenting this because <laughs> the mainstream media, they sat this one out, didn't they, my friend? Yeah, I, I, I was actually surprised how nobody else was out. And when I say nobody, it's nobody. There was no other media outlet out there at night filming. Um, they were only reporting what the police report said. Yeah. I don't care what the police report says. Yeah. Every Monday, the Montreal police tweets um, how many infraction, COVID infractions there were, how many tickets were given, and how many phone calls, snitch line, uh, snitches they got. And it's like, I could report on that. That is not interesting. I want to show you what's actually going on, the real stories. Half of these tickets that were given were given to given to people that had the papers you were supposed to have, and they were still they, the people still got it because the cops decided not to um, take the the curfew exemption notes, not to accept them. So a lot of these tickets, and, and that's why we're fighting these tickets to fight the fines because these tickets are outrageous and ridiculous. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, Yankee, you are often a one-man gang out there, and we thank you for it. 
Have a good weekend, my friend, in Montreal, and don't get any more jaywalking tickets either. Okay? <laughs> I will. Yeah, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for coming out, and thanks for the team for having my back in Toronto or even coming out some weekends to help me. And yeah, I will try not to get any more jaywalking tickets. I have three jaywalking tickets. <laughs> three jaywalking. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that was Yankee Pollock in Montreal. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Hey, listen, we're just wondering, are you looking forward to the game today? I am. We're very excited to have people back. Why can the professional hockey players play, but the kids in Canada can't play hockey? Man? I'm going to let the, our authorities answer that question. Oh, aren't, you, aren't you with the Bell Centre? Hey, I see you guys are NHL officials. Sir, can you tell me, it's great that there's some fans coming into the building, but why is it that my kids, your kids, everybody else's kids, they can't play hockey, but millionaire NHL players can? It's a matter of status. We live in a world that has to do with greed, right? But, but why can't our kids play hockey right now at the same time? I mean, the professionals have been playing all winter long in the regular season, right? Because it adds to the economy. Oh, okay, so it's about money then. It's always about Absolutely, money. Okay, so, yeah. so it's not about the science then? No. <laughs> oh, you got your helmets on. <laughs> Are you expecting some wayward pucks or... Uh... No. no, we're here to get your attention. <laughs> well, you got it. <laughs> we got your attention. Boy, these, wow, these are old school. CCM. And, and you know how I know they're old school, folks? Look at that. Made in Canada. When was the last time you saw some hockey equipment with that on? Well, here's the thing, guys. We've been told this virus has been dictated by the science, by medicine. But maybe when it comes to the elites, the, when it comes to money, there's an exemption. Millionaires can play hockey, millionaires can watch them play hockey, but hockey moms, hockey dads, they're shut out of seeing their kids play hockey. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough for everybody. We came down from Ontario and guess what? I just had a haircut today. <laughs> hey, two minutes for looking so good, Richard. <laughs> David Menzies for Rebel News here in Montreal. Well, folks, I'm standing outside the Bell Centre in two hours, game six of the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens series will resume. And, uh, well, what can I tell you? Does it get any better than this? Leafs, Canadians on a Saturday night, a playoff game, uh, no less. But really, who is going to this game I don't think it's your typical lunch bucket fan. Have you seen the tickets that are for sale, folks? The lowest tickets are 1,500. The highest are 12,000. Oh, and by the way, you have to buy them by the pair. So imagine that, $24,000 for a pair of the top tickets to see this game. I think that's a price of a Honda Civic, if memory serves me. But really, in the next couple of hours when the puck drops, are we going to see an example of hockey play out? Or is it hypocrisy? After all, who has that kind of money during a pandemic to spend on three hours of hockey? I sure don't. I don't think the vast majority of our audience does either. And really, what happened all of a sudden to those COVID-19 protocols, you know, socially distancing and uh, keeping crowds uh, down far uh, lower than what you see right now and what's going to be in the building, 2,500 fans uh, when the puck drops. 
Even more disturbing is this, folks. Why is it that suddenly the very same elitists and insiders who have been preaching to us for the last 14 months that we're all in this together and to stay home and to socially distance, why is it that millionaire NHL players can play hockey here tonight and presumably millionaires and multimillionaires can somewhat fill the stands and yet for more than a year now your kids my kids all our kids hundreds of thousands of kids have been shut out of playing amateur hockey why is that well that was the scene last saturday evening in montreal prior to the leafs canadians playoff game Oh, uh, spoiler alert, just in case you recently got out of a Justin Trudeau quarantine hotel, the Leafs surprised nobody by losing last Saturday's game and later the entire series because, hey, that's how we've been rolling when it comes to Hogtown hockey since 1967. Anyway, it just seemed odd that suddenly all the COVID-19 rules regarding everything from the curfew to social distancing evaporated just in time for the puck to drop. Uh, gee, I wonder why. In any event, you had plenty to say about this most recent example of Wuhan virus rules changing on the fly. Jessica Butler writes, I am a huge Habs fan, but until our children can play sports again, I'm not having anything to do with professional sports. And anyone wearing sports apparel? You're part of the problem. Well, you know, good for you, Jessica. I think that's called taking a principled stance. It would be nice if the NHL and the health bureaucrats also had it in them to take a principled stance as well. Worst case, Ontario writes, so hockey games can be attended, but small businesses stay closed? Makes sense to me. Well, you know, I know you're being sarcastic, worst case, Ontario, but really nothing, and I mean nothing, has made sense during this pandemic. Rick Pierce writes, I'd rather watch the Pee Wees play hockey than the useless NHL. Hey, I'm with you, Rick, but clearly money talks and BS skates. My heart breaks for the hundreds of thousands of kids who have been shut out of house league hockey across our nation. Absolutely shameful and with no science to back up such a strategy either. Jerry Price writes, Boycott this until the kids can go out and play hockey. It's all about money. Oh, Jerry, when a pair of tickets goes for the price of a new car, I'd rather listen to the game on radio. I actually scratch that. I think I've got much better things to do than to watch or listen to the Leafs lose yet again in June. And locked in with Lovebirds writes, Ontario science magically changed from last night to today. Fans suddenly okay with the Leaf home game on Monday. Now that's science. Indeed, lovebirds, funny how in the space of 21 hours, Premier Triple F, that would be flip-flop forward, went from stating that no way would any fans be allowed into Toronto Scotiabank Arena to, well, okay, 550 fans. And hey, where did that 550 number come from? Oh, and the fans must be healthcare workers. Or as it turns out, healthcare bureaucrats in certain instances. Oh, and they must also be fully vaccinated or else no dice. That's right, folks. Monday was a historic event here in Toronto. It was Hogtown's first vaccine passport event ever. 
How are you digging the new normal so far? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.